0: So we're still um, going through the ancient landmarks of life's path. It's a topical study of the book of Proverbs. I mentioned earlier that I'm not going to do a line-by-line uh, verse study uh, of Proverbs. That would just take, you know, forever. But uh, we are going to do topical studies. And um, as we've discovered in our study, uh, so far, uh, concerning the landmarks we, in, uh, in life's pathway, we, knew, we know that there's two kinds of wisdom. There's a wisdom that originates from below, the wisdom by which the world operates from. Uh, The philosophy of this fallen world, the sciences falsely so-called that I connected to the various religions in this world. And then we have that... um, wisdom that comes from above so the wisdom that's from below that appeals to the fallen nature of the old adamic nature and while the wisdom from above appeals to those who have uh, come to receive christ jesus as their savior those who have the spirit of god within them Uh, we also know that uh, this fallen wisdom is um, very clever very devious It mimics the truth. It often even cites the truth to make it sound like, you know, well, this this is very plausible. This sounds very reasonable to me. And that's what entraps a lot of people about that uh, wisdom that comes from below. And because we have the wisdom that comes from above, we're able to discern those uh, nuances, if you will be able to pick out those things of the wisdom that's from below to kind of warn us, to say, hey, watch out, this is a red flag here, this isn't quite right. So we looked at all that. Um, And so that's why the writer of Proverbs writes here in Proverbs 19.27, he says, cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. So that's why we have God's Word. It helps us to be able to discern those words of knowledge that come from that other source. Now I have to start off by saying this. Not all knowledge of this world is necessarily evil. Okay? Not all knowledge of this world is necessarily what you would call morally evil. I mean, you have the knowledge of engineering. You've got the knowledge of mechanics. You've got the knowledge, uh, the sciences of medicine and and chemistry. All all of those things are not necessarily evil in and of themselves. I mean, they're, they're morally benign. Where do you think the issue comes in as far as that knowledge, those sciences are involved? Where do you think the issue comes in with that? it's our sinful nature isn't it cuz mankind's sinful nature they'll take that knowledge they'll take those sciences that are meant to benefit mankind and end up what will they do with them they'll end up twisting them to create evil in this world like the little adam we discovered what did we what was what was the first thing that we did when we uh, Started learning about the atom. We wiped out two Japanese cities, didn't we? Yeah. But now what do we do with the atom? You know, we, we have energy, we have power plants and stuff like that. And we use it in medicine and so forth and so on. So that's just one of those examples. Ecclesiastes 7.29 says, Lo, this only have I found that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. And that's the problem. You know, we've got all of this wonderful stuff. uh, God has given man this this wonderful, clever brain who's able to, you know, look into these things. And God created this way so that we would subdue the earth, not enslave it, but subdue subdue it, otherwise to wisely use the resources that God has provided for us on this planet for our good and for the benefit of others. But unfortunately, what we've done, because of our fallen nature, we've taken that and we've kind of turned it on its ear. And now we use all of these resources and stuff very greedily and selfishly and so forth and so on. Psalms 106.29 says, thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions and and the plague break in upon them. So, kind of like the builders of the Tower of Babel so long ago, uh, man 's pride in his technology has created in his mind a God complex. Mankind suffers with a God complex, and that he thinks he's, you know he 's all that in a bag of chips, right? Now he thinks he thinks he 's pretty, he's pretty sharp, he 's pretty self-sufficient. there's nothing that he can not do. Because of his cleverness, because of his technology. And so he says, why do I have any need for a supreme being? Because I am that supreme being. Now, where do you think he gets that? Yeah, he gets it from the fallen angel that said, hey, I'm going to be just like the Most High. So that's where he gets it from. So technology, for the most part, is immoral. It's just that the wicked heart of man uh, just puts it to an immoral use. Uh, Man has been provided a moral standard, right here. He has been provided a moral standard, a standard of a right and wrong to aid him through life. And you know what? This moral standard is also imprinted, as Brian would say, in his DNA. Do you find that surprising? That God's moral standard is imprinted in your DNA, in your heart, and your mind? Well, that's what the Bible says in Romans 2.14. Paul writes, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, that is, the written Ten Commandments that the Jews have, do by nature the things contained in the law... These having not the law are a law unto themselves which show the work of the law written in their hearts their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Every culture that's ever existed on this planet and every culture that exists even today all know it's wrong to commit murder. What does the Ten Commandments say? Thou shalt not kill. All cultures know it's wrong for a man or a woman to cheat on her husband or her or her his wife, right? Well, where does that come from? Thou shalt not commit adultery. You see, it's it's there, and these various cultures, from the aborigines that we're in that are in Australia to the most refined civilization that ever came. up you know, on the earth, whether it's Egyptian or Persian or whatever, they all have this code. Even though they don't have the written Ten Commandments that the Jews have, they have this code imprinted in their DNA. Because that goes all the way back to Adam. It's just been passed along. It's just been passed along. Mankind has also been given a model of righteousness to emulate in the person of Jesus Christ. There has not been a better man walk this planet than the man Christ Jesus. He is the perfect model of what a perfect man should be. And they have this model uh, to follow by. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law in every possible way. I mean, he was the kindest, most loving, most, you know, caring, compassionate person you would ever want to meet. At the same time, he stood for the truth. He was brave, courageous in regards to the truth. If you wanted a hero to portray before your children, you can't go wrong with Jesus Christ. And that's just him as a man much less as him being the son of God, God in the flesh. But unfortunately, as you guys know, as we've gone through our study, the majority of mankind have, has chosen to tread on the wrong pathway, that pathway that it's, that's full of darkness, and just gets darker as you go down it. And that's the majority of mankind. that They've chosen to go down this dark path and they're actually separated from God who is the true light irregardless of how religious they may believe themselves to be because they have chosen this particular path. Most, but not all, there are some who have heard the gospel, there are some who have chosen the right path There are some who do recognize where wisdom is found, right? And they are walking in this path. And as, what is it, Proverbs chapter 4 promises, the more you walk down this path, the brighter that path becomes. And the reason why that path becomes brighter is because you become more and more familiar with the wisdom that's contained in this word. Therefore, you're gathering knowledge, data... And how to apply it to your life how it applies to your marriage how it applies to raising your children how it applies to your business and, and earning money everything everything about life is covered in this book and those who have wisdom seek out that wisdom that's in this book and they gain that knowledge and they gain that understanding and that's why that path becomes brighter and brighter does that make sense Proverbs 19.2 says, uh, Also that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good. And it's not good. It's not good. We need the knowledge that comes from above. We need that wisdom that comes from above. And the knowledge that the soul needs is not the knowledge of this world, but the knowledge that comes from the true light found in this book. Again, there's nothing wrong with the majority of the knowledge of this world. It just won't give you the light that your soul needs to walk that right path. That's that science is falsely so called. All those other philosophies of life and religion and so forth and so on the knowledge of this world benefits the physical and even sometimes even benefits the mental health of a person but the knowledge of the world cannot do anything about the soul who you are who God has created you to be The only one who can help you in that matter is the very one who created you in the first place, don't you think? That's what Genesis 2-7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now let me ask you something. If God is the one who made you, then don't you think he knows how you work? Sure he does. And do you not think that he would not provide you a manual so that when something goes wrong, you can check the manual and figure out how to get it fixed? But the problem is, most of us is like most men. Oh, I don't need a manual, I can fix this. I can figure that I don't need to look at that schematic. I think this red wire goes over here where this black wire should go. Now, how often does that work out? So, why do we think it's any differently when it comes to the matters of the heart? Yes, ma'am. Whenever I was dealing with anxiety, so terrible, the Holy Spirit just kept reminding "God made your mind; He can heal your mind." Yeah, and with the Word, He did. Yeah, that's what Paul says. He says he's given us a sound mind. Yeah. Yeah. So he's given us a manual. He's given us the knowledge that we need to know that our soul, who we are, must focus on. He has given our soul, our heart, our spirit, the instructions... For our life. Proverbs twenty-four five says, A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increases strengths. We see that in the in the natural world, don't we? There are men and women who have knowledge concerning finances. They know how finances work in this world and so they use that knowledge and they end up becoming what? Wealthy. And they help other people be wealthy. And so there is, there is that knowledge. And it's the same thing with God's word. You know, there is, there is knowledge in this book that will make you strong. I know people who are physically weak in wheelchairs have all sorts of infirmities physically, but let me tell you something. Spiritually, because of their understanding of God's word, they're some of the strongest individuals I've ever met in my life. You know, so many of us make excuses, oh, I can't do that because of this, and I'm, I'm physically that, and I'm blah. but yet I know people who are physically infirmed and yet do great things for God it kind of takes my excuse away shame on them for doing that but it's true it's true Now, let me ask you a question. Is this exclusive knowledge? Or is it knowledge available to anyone who wants it? That's a trick question. Yes, it is. You're very sharp. True, in both cases. It is available to anybody who wants it. But it's only exclusive to those who are prepared to receive it. it is exclu- it's, 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 it's available to all. Revelation twenty two seventeen says, And the Spirit of the Bride say, Come! And let him that hear say, come, and let him that is a thirst, come, and just the elect will. That doesn't say that, does it? It says, whosoever will, let them take the water of life freely. That's everybody. That's Everybody. The last chapter in the last book down almost to the last verse. It is an open invitation to whosoever will come and take of the water of life. But sadly not everybody will come. They're thirsty but they won't come to the water they'll, they'll try some other water but they won't come to the water that will quench the thirst try everything else first. they try everything else first and sadly many of them who do come have nothing to draw with for the well is deep that's what the gal said to Jesus That's what I want to talk about. What is it that is missing, that is required to draw from this deep well? Is it more education? Is it more education? If I were just better educated, then I could understand. No, believe me, I know a lot of educated people who have gone to Bible college and seminary and university, have got so many letters behind their name in theological theological degrees, ever learning, but never able to come to the tr- knowledge of the truth. So no. Not intelligence I need more intelligence I just need to be smarter you know David called himself a stupid man in the Psalms but yet David was a man after God's own heart so it's not intelligence it's not intelligence it's not education what about more books I just need a bigger library. If you ever come to my house, I've got a room that's wall-to-wall books. The making of books... There you go, Ecclesiastes 12.12. Let me tell you something. (laughs) That room of wall-to-wall books, I just keep adding more books. And as you can tell, they haven't done me any good. How about more study? I'm just not studying enough. Well, again, according to Ecclesiastes 12.12, more study is nothing more than a weariness of the flesh. Believe me, that is true. It is a weariness of the flesh. I have a little cartoon that I have in my office. And it's a cartoon by a fellow by the name of Graham Wilson. And it shows this wizened, old, elderly man uh, looking at this huge, big book. He's surrounded by these huge volumes. And he looks up with his face and he goes, For just a second, it all made sense. That study you think it'll make sense and you just keep on studying again there are so many of us ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth 2nd Timothy 3.7 what is required is a certain fitness A certain fitness of the Bible calls it the hearts. A certain fitness of the hearts. We need a right heart attitude. And if you haven't learned by now, that's the key to the Christian life. The right heart attitude. In our country today... People between the ages of 18 and 65, which leaves me out because I just recently turned 66, are spending more money on fitness than on college education. In fact, people today between the ages of 18 to 65 are spending $13,000 more than on their education for fitness. Gyms, equipment, all of that stuff that goes along with it. That's a ton of money. That's a ton of money. The wellness market's net worth is estimated at $3.4 trillion. The pharmaceutical industry makes $1 trillion. So the wellness market is, what, three times bigger than the pharmaceutical industry. The healthy nutrition market, your your organic foods and all of that stuff, your essential oils that everybody seems to be really big on, which for some reason I didn't really hear touted when COVID was going rapid, but that's just my opinion. billion people spend on organic food and things like that. $276 billion. Big industry. The leading exercise programs, guess what it focuses on? The cardiovascular exercises. Those are the big exercises those are the more popular exercises increasing the heart rate the respiration to raise the oxygen levels in your blood flow throughout your body to get those larger muscle groups in your body to to work them out to get them you know pumping get them working the cardiovascular system is is what is what they uh, is is the big exercise program just what is it the, Pilates, or whatever that is, yeah, yeah, that kind. Of, the aerobics, the aerobics used to be really big when I was growing up. It challenges your internal body organs, improves so many different functions: uh, the heart, the lungs, the circulatory system. it's just overall it's it's good for your mental health it's good for your mood helps you sleep keep control of your weight your metabolism a lot of things all focused on the physical heart the physical heart now I share all of that Because I think we all understand the importance of the heart, don't we? We all understand that. In fact, that's one of the biggest killers in this country, isn't it? Heart disease. Well, it's the same thing in your spiritual life. Not only is the heart important in your physical life, but it's also important in your spiritual life. In your spiritual life. It is the issue of the heart. That's what Proverbs 4 says. Guard the issues of your heart. Jesus said that's where all evil comes from. It comes from the heart. It comes from the heart. Having a fit heart. The psalmist of Psalms 119, he says in Psalms one nineteen two, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with a whole heart. Proverbs 19.10 says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Psalms 119.111, Thy testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. Some 15 times as you go through Psalms 119, the psalmist makes reference to his heart in one way or another in relation to the word of God. What we need is a spiritual, cardiovascular exercise. As we exercise ourselves towards the things of God, towards the Word of God. You see, the knowledge of this world focuses on the physical first... And then it progresses to what they term as spiritual, such as mental health and so forth and so on. Now, is that the the path that the Word of God takes in regards to you and I? What do you think? What do you think God is really focused on? What's going on in here? That's That's what he's focused on. You see, the knowledge of the world begins its work from the outside, but the knowledge from above starts here, on the inside. First Peter 4 8, not first Peter, I apologize. First Timothy 4 8. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Do you realize that people who live a godly life are actually happy, successful people? That's what all the uh, studies show. So even this lost world recognizes that. Where are you spending your time and your money? Are you focusing on the physical heart or on the spiritual heart? See, the world, its only concern is life here and now. That's what's important to it. That's why it spends all that money keeping this physical ticker healthy. Because in the world's mind, that's all that matters. But if you've got that wisdom from above, let me ask you a question. Does life end here? No, it doesn't. It goes on, doesn't it? It goes on. This, this is temporary. This is temporary. And if you're sharp, if you're wise... Instead of squirreling away stuff in this life you prepare yourself for the next. Kind of like a spiritual 401k. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly and I pray God your whole body, soul, and spirit be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ Ron, is that how that verse goes? it isn't, is it? no, it says, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body what's the emphasis there? yeah, it's on the inside, isn't it? Let let me clue you in on something That body you're sitting in, it's going to turn to dust, isn't it? You're spending all that money on this body, and I don't care what you do, it's still going to get old and die and turn to dust. Now, I'm not saying you don't take care of your health. We're supposed to take care of that tabernacle. But really, where is the wise investment to be made? Proverbs echoes this pretty much the same truth and he's, in Proverbs 4:20 he says my son attend to my words incline thine ear unto my sayings let them not depart from thine eyes keep them in the midst of thine heart for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You know, in the physical sciences, the mental and emotional well-being, the physical well-being are often treated separately. You know, you go to a psychologist or a counselor or a psychiatrist for mental health and then you go to a um, an MD or a... Um, What is a DO or somebody like that for your physical health but even these two sciences understand there is a link between good mental health and good physical health there is a link Proverbs right here shows us that they were on the ball way before these smart doctors came across this truth if, you have, if your spiritual life is right, that benefits your physical life. See, if your spiritual life is, 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 an, is good, then you're not going to become a druggie. You're not going to become a drunkard. You're not going to become a fornicator and get diseased with all sorts of diseases. You're, you're just not going to do those habits that destroy your physical life. Does that make sense? The physical, the worldly knowledge acknowledges that mental and emotional health is beneficial to the physical health. In fact, they've even proven that it prevents heart disease. (laughs) It's amazing. They sooner or later catch up with God's word. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. See, only the maker of the soul has the true solution. And the solution is found right here. So the fitness of one's heart is crucial in receiving God's instruction for life. It's crucial. Turn to Proverbs chapter 2. That's introduction. (laughs) I know. And I think everybody else knew that too. Turn to Proverbs chapter 2. I want to read the first nine verses of Proverbs chapter 2. And what Proverbs chapter 2 does is it provides us with a spiritual cardio exercise that will help our hearts to be fit in receiving God's instruction for life. Okay? So let's, um, let's read this. Proverbs 2, starting in verse 1, he says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding... Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and lifts up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and what? Find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom... Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity. Yea, every good path. Now I can't claim the outline that I'm going to go by here Uh, years and years and years ago when I used to work for a particular um, pharmaceutical company I heard this in a men's bible study that we had during lunch hour and the person that uh, presented this presented this outline that I'm going to use and I don't think it was original with him either I think he got it from somebody else who got it from somebody else. But that's the way it works, isn't it? That's, that's what 2 Timothy chapter 2 talks about. But when I heard this outline, as a young Christian, it literally rocked my world. I thought to myself, Wow! this is that easily entreated wisdom that resonates with my soul because it is wisdom that's coming from above and it has stuck with me ever since it has stuck with me ever since, in fact if you notice I got a little fly leaf stuck up here in my Bible, I'm in the habit of doing that because I have terrible memory I've already forgotten your folks' names If I don't do things like this, I I forget. So I have that outline right here in my Bible that I review so I don't forget. But what we're going to see here in the second chapter of Proverbs is an exercise of the heart in receiving the instructions that God has provided for every one of us. To prepare your heart to receive what he's got for you. And as I said before, a hard attitude is key. As with anything involved with the things of God, it's the heart attitude. You see, if your heart attitude is, well, I have no interest in the Bible. Are you going to get much out of the Bible? No, you're not. Well, I really have no... Interest in attending church faithfully I'll show up when it's convenient do you think you're going to get much out of the preaching? probably not it's hard attitude and there's a lot of things in this old world that affects our hard attitude there are a lot of things again that's why Proverbs says guard the heart from, for, from it are the issues of life because there's a lot of things in this old world that wants to keep you from this book keep you out of this building keep you out from underneath the teaching of God's word a lot of things I know because they affect me too so a heart attitude is key so we're gonna look at the very first thing. Hopefully I'll have time to finish it. Proverbs two one, the very first two words. What does it say? So issue number one is very simple. Are you a child of God that's the very first issue each and every one of us needs to face are you born again are you saved do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you, has there ever been a time when you have admitted that you are a sinner without hope? There's no way that you can save yourself. And the only hope, the only means, the only name that can save your sorry soul out of eternal hell is Jesus Christ. Is there a time that you can remember that you've received him as your Savior? or any other terminology that you want to use the bottom line is this are you a child of God the only person who's the only person that can answer that question yeah well there's actually two isn't there God and you can you honestly say yes I am I'm not trusting in my church attendance I'm not trusting in my baptism I'm not trusting in my college education or degree I'm not trusting in my good works, I'm not trusting anything but the shed blood of Jesus Christ that redeems me it's the issue of the heart it has to be settled first because let me tell you a hard truth If you are not saved, then anything else that I say will not do you a bit of good. Oh, intellectually, you might get it. You might understand a little bit. But in actuality, it will do you absolutely no good. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned notice the key word here is spiritually discerned you see the natural man is the man who connects to life through his senses his five senses what are they? Touch, taste, smell, sight, hearing. Yeah, five senses. That's, that's them, right? So everything that enters into him, he gets through his senses. Now this word natural, as in natural man, comes from the word psyche. The Greek word psyche. Now when we think of psyche, what do we think of? The mind, don't we? The mind. So everything that the mind receives, it receives through the senses. The senses. Now, the Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Let me tell you something about the natural man. The natural man has a spirit, the natural man has a soul. But there's a serious problem with the natural man's spirit and soul. Ephesians chapter 2. This is a very familiar passage to many of us. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And you hath he quickened, that means made alive, who were, past tense, dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, that wisdom from below, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, the spirit that now worketh in the, who? Children of disobedience. So that tells me that we've got children of God, and then we've got children of disobedience. Two families. Two spiritual families. And at one time... If you've received Christ as your Savior, you're born again. At one time, you were a member of that fallen family. Verse 3, among whom also we all had, past tense, our conversation in times past. What's the word conversation? Remember what that is? That's the way you live your life. (laughs) Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But notice how it how this how this um, natural man operates from fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, because the mind receives everything through the senses of the flesh, and that's where he operates. That's the plane upon which he operates. He can't operate on anything higher than that. And because of that, he is dead. Now, when you think of death, what do you think of? Cessation of life? Is that the way Bible portrays death? No. See, the Bible portrays death not as in cessation of life, but in separation from something separation from something remember the story of the daughter of Jairus when the Lord came to his home to to heal her she had died she had passed away and the mourners were in the house and Jesus said paraphrase don't mourn for her she's asleep and they all laughed at him because they knew he was she was dead Luke 8, 54, and he put them all out and took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And it says here in verse 55, And her spirit came again. Her body, yes, was lifeless. Why? Because the spirit had departed. And what Jesus did was, is he called that spirit back to re-inhabit the body and make that body come to life so death in the bible is separation not cessation when it's talking about the second death in revelations it's not annihilation as the Jehovah witnesses try to teach the Jehovah witnesses teach that when you die and you're not one of them your soul will just cease to exist and that's not true Revelations talks about that second death, and it says in Revelation twenty, fourteen through fifteen, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Why would God throw cessation of life, death, into the lake of fire? What good would that do if the soul ceased to exist? So death in the Bible is separation, not cessation. And the best that the natural man can hope for is a mental or intellectual sense of these principles found in the Bible. He may see how they benefit. He may see how, yeah, cheating on my wife is not right. Yeah, stealing something that doesn't belong to me is not right. He may see all of that. He may even live all of that. But it will do him no good as far his relationship with God is concerned because he has no relationship with God in the first place. Does that make sense? I know I keep saying that, and I apologize. Because of their being separated from God due to their sin... Their minds, their psyche, is darkened. The light's not on. Ephesians 4.18 says, Having the understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God. That word alienated means they're shut out of the company. You know, we're in here and there's people out there with those doors closed. The natural man is on the other side of the door. He's not a part of the house of God. Not a part of the body of Christ. So he's shut out. He's alienated from the life of God to the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now I have explained before that ignorance is not necessarily being you know, loopy in the head or Used to be the term retarded. We I don't think we use retarded anymore. That's a hurtful statement. But that's not what ignorant ignorance means. Ignorance simply means you don't have the knowledge. I mean, I can go to my car, put the key in the ignition, turn that key, and the the engine starts. But that's about as far as it goes. If I go to my car and turn the ignition and it don't start, then I'm pretty ignorant. Because I don't know why it won't start. So here's a tip. Don't ask me to work on your car. And so the knowledge, the wisdom that's from above to the natural man is foolishness. And the only reason why it's foolishness is because his spirit being darkened cannot connect to the light that is there. That's why he thinks it's silly. That's why he thinks it's foolish. It's it's because he can't connect to it. He can't see it, he can't relate to it, because it's spiritually discerned, and his spirit has been darkened. And to compound the problem for the natural man, not only is his mind and his understanding darkened, but he's got an enemy of his soul who wants to keep him in the dark. 2 Corinthians 4 4 says, In whom the God of this world, talking about the devil, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You see, the enemy of of your soul doesn't want you to receive God's light. He wants to keep you ignorant. He wants to keep you ignorant and this is where the wisdom from below comes into its own with its sciences falsely so called and its vain philosophies of deceit because the purpose of all of that stuff that's going on out there, you know what the real purpose is it's to keep you ignorant from the gospel from the true light the natural man's blinded spirit processes information received by his five senses through his body, to his soul, and to his spirit. And that's all he's got to work with. And that's why he makes the decisions that he makes sometimes. Because he's very limited in his discernments. The spirit and soul of a natural man operates from his senses and he's he's subject to only what the body communicates to the soul. That explains why that wisdom from below is so powerful. Do you remember what I said about the wisdom from below, the wisdom that descendeth not from above? It says it's earthly and sensual. Now here's an interesting little tidbit, you go to your Strong's Concordance and you look up that sensual, that word sensual, and guess what you're going to find out? It's the very same word that Paul uses in Corinthians when he talks about the natural man. Because the natural man is a sensual man. In other words, he is a man who operates from his senses. That's why you've got scientists out there who cannot believe in a supreme being because they can't see him. They can't put him in a laboratory and test him and dissect him. All they can go on is what they see. 2 Corinthians 4.5 says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, when the natural man by faith receives that gospel light, then a wonderful transformation takes place in his mind because it becomes alive unto God quickened. That's what the word quickened means. So now there is a connection. You take the cable from the saved man's mind and you take the light, the cable from the light and they get plugged in together. So the natural man now becomes a spiritual man. Colossians nine For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now what was once dark to the natural man when he received Christ as his Savior now becomes light to the spiritual man, the new man who is now alive unto God. A wondrous operation is now performed upon that inner man as the spirit and soul is now separated from the flesh, from the sensual, from the natural. Colossians 2.12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, have been forgiving all your trespasses. When you receive Christ as your Savior, the the Holy Spirit of God comes in here into your body, and he separates your soul and your spirit from your flesh, and that wonderful spiritual circumcision that takes place, and he Opens up your mind to the lights of God's word and God's wisdom. You're a new man. A new creature in Christ. new creature in Christ. And now we have the ability. The hearts. To see the things that God has for his own. So yes, it is available to all, but it's exclusive to his children. So the question has to be answered. Are you a child of God? That's where it starts. That's where it starts. 1 Corinthians 2.12 Now we have received not the spirit of the world, that's the spirit that the natural man works from. But the spirit which is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, that wisdom that comes from below, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. So now we have a resident tutor in the Holy Spirit. And he takes these words printed on this page and he makes them alive, like water to drink for a thirsty soul. But the only way you can benefit is how you answer that question, are you a child of God? Holy Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this study. I pray, Father in heaven, that it would just uh, fill our hearts with your light and just give us a thirst and a hunger for your word. Oh, Father, help our hearts to be fit to receive the instructions that you've provided for us. And I pray, Lord God, if there's anyone in this room who has not settled that important question, I pray that today they would not let any more time go by before they do so that they would look at themselves, that they would see that, yes, I need Jesus as my Savior, and that, Father in Heaven, they would settle that issue. And I thank you, Lord God, that I had a day that a young man came to me and asked me that very same question. And I thank you, Lord God, for the work that you did in my own heart, and that I also received Christ as my Savior. I thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.